Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, hey, Mets fans. Welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. With me, as always, is Chris. And Chris, the last time we recorded, the Mets were about to start their West Coast road trip. We are now seven games no, six games into that road trip, and the Mets have taken the first two series, two games to one each time, against the Oakland Athletics and the Los Angeles Dodgers. They are rolling into San Francisco tonight for a four-game series against the Giants. But, you know, it's the start of the show, therefore it's time for our, our vibe check. How are you feeling about the Mets this week? No, pretty good, and they swept the A's. So they're, they're, oh, they're I'm sorry, they the A's. you're right. Look at that. I'm making it worse than it is. That that is that is so Mets of me. Just yeah, to that, that, that's very uh zoom a loss. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's been a continuation of what we've seen, which when we spoke last week, we talked about the fact that they had won all of their series other than the series in Milwaukee. And that's still true now. And that that's a really good trend to uh to keep alive and the fact that they've been doing it recently without their fully healthy roster. And and obviously you you could say they've done that from day one because of Edwin Diaz's injury alone, but they keep having guys get hurt and, and they keep winning. And I think it's very important that a a lot of the roster has been healthy um, and it's helped them sort of, overcome those injuries, but the the guys who've been called up to fill in have also been doing a really admirable job. So yeah, no complaints here. Um, You you go out West and open a 10 game trip with a, with a sweep. 
it doesn't matter that the A's are on pace to have the worst season in Major League Baseball and and look so bad in that series that it seems like they might actually do it. <laughs> it was um, amazing. I, I, just, I just want to say one thing before you get off that because I will forget to say this. Yeah, they would bring in a new pitcher or somebody, and the first at bat, you'd be like, "Oh, I could see this guy has a lot of potential." And by the second or third at bat, you're like, "Oh no, this guy's never going to play again." <laughs> like it was, it was bleak. Yeah, yeah, no, and. Uh, Friend of the uh, the podcast and former Met Trevor May just went on the injured list for the A's uh, to deal with anxiety, and I think that's understandable that there's a ton of pressure on these guys. And uh, obviously, just from the way he's spoken about playing and, and everything else, it, he seems like a guy who would be um, more open to being, you know, to just acknowledging that and, and taking that break. Uh, he has struggled. That team has really, really struggled. And there's a point there where I think, you know, having the big house and the millions of dollars and all that kind of stuff, that doesn't necessarily matter as a competitor. Like, obviously, he's he's living a good life. And, you know, you can still struggle in that context. So, uh, obviously, we, we are hoping that he, uh, you know, he gets to a point that he's feeling good and uh, able to get out there and pitch again soon. But yeah, that team is really, really bad, but we saw it in the series finale. The Mets had to, you know, work to win that game. Yeah. Uh, And that'll happen. Uh, I think there's probably a bigger gap between like the worst of the worst in major league baseball and the good teams now than in, in some of the other leagues um throughout professional sports but all of those guys are still there with enough talent to uh to potentially beat you even in a game that you should win so you never want to take that for granted and to get out there and start the sort of convoluted uh trip that started (laughs) they flew into san francisco to go to oakland uh, and then flew to LA, and now they flew back to San Francisco to play San Francisco. Yes. And the Giants are coming into town with no days off, having played in Miami yesterday. So the Mets have the advantage in the Giants' ballpark when it comes to fatigue, which is just, uh, I'm not complaining, but some of the things that we've seen um, on this schedule now with the new format really don't make sense. No, they don't. Um, before we get off of Oakland uh, too much, I just want to point out that it was announced today that they are the A's are officially moving to Las Vegas by 2027, and yeah. uh, that's a that's a big deal for a lot of reasons. But I am not well versed enough in A's politicking to to point fingers uh, everywhere that probably deserves to be pointed. But it seems like A's ownership is committed to not spending any money and to doing everything as cheaply as possible all the time. So this doesn't really surprise me, but it is a bit of a bummer because while I'm sure there are fans in Las Vegas who'll be happy to have a team, the A's have been, first of all, the A's are now, I think officially they'll be the most traveled franchise, right? From Philadelphia to Kansas city to Oakland, now to Las Vegas. I don't know if there's another team that has had four different cities. Um, yeah, I don't believe so. 
you, you know, call call itself home, but also just they've been in Oakland since was it the sixties, the fifties? I don't even know when the last move was. Yeah, um, no, it's it's been a long time, but a considerable I mean, amount of time. And so you know, there are lots and lots of fans who have only known the athletics as Oakland, I mean, myself included. And uh, you know, I just I feel really bad for those fans who have been waiting patiently for a new stadium, for ownership that will spend, et cetera, et cetera. And it looks like that's never going to happen in Oakland. Yeah. And that yeah, is no, they, terrible. They got there uh, one year before the Mets won their first World Series. So it's yeah. been a long run. You know, the, the Braves, I think, are the only franchise that comes close with Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta. Right. Uh, but I, <clears throat> I can't think of any other one that's moved – that many times and, and obviously we're talking modern era you know right, there's right. of course some franchise roots for a, a team that's still around that that aren't from that era I, I wouldn't really count that you know these these are big big moves and uh yeah no it it, it sucks I, yeah. A's fans have been some of the more lively uh sort of creative interesting fans and they've dealt with an awful stadium uh, and a team that has been very, very good at times, but is also completely willing to tank. Yes. And, and tank hard. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they go for it in a way that other teams don't have the balls to tank often. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, I don't know. I've only, you know, passed through, uh, Northern California. I've not had the pleasure of seeing a game in Oakland. Uh, I've not spent any time in Oakland. Um, I've only been to Vegas for a day. But, you know, one of those locations seems more like a Major League Baseball one to me <laughs> yep. than the other. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, from, I'm just imagining just – the A's font saying Las Vegas instead of Oakland on it. And like, I can't even, imagine Even it. that is weird. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, uh, it, it's not, it's not great. And no, it, I, I also want to mention our friend Mark Carrig just wrote a piece for The Athletic that went live about an hour ago that talks about how, uh, it is ownership. It is not the fan base that did this team in. And that is obviously the correct take, but just wanted to, Shout out Mark's article. Yeah, yeah, I know. And he grew up an A's fan. Uh, so he's already dealt with, you know, I think just talking to him about when the Raiders were leaving. Um, and and I know a, a former Chargers fan uh, who, you know, is from San Diego. And when they moved up to L.A., that, that was a huge thing. And... That, that basically took them out of uh, watching the sport. I mean, I, I grew up in Connecticut and saw the Hartford Whalers leave and didn't watch hockey for 10 years. Um, you know, that that's a it, – it's a big thing, and you're, you're sacrificing a lot of fans who, even if they're that hungry for baseball, their choices are, all right, root for the team that left in its new incarnation in a place that's so far away that I can't conveniently go to games. Right. Or what adopt the Giants who you've hated for your entire existence? <laughs> <Right>. Like, <laughs> I, the, you know, we're, thankfully, 
The Mets are extremely rooted in Queens with an ultra billionaire owner from Long Island who's a lifelong fan. They're not going anywhere, but right. you know, if they were to leave and and uh, I don't know, let, let's just say they went full hipster and moved to Portland, Oregon, right? Yeah. <laughs> what would we do? Like, I I wouldn't watch. I wouldn't still root for that franchise in that case. I don't. I I have asked myself this question a long time for years. There was a rumor, gosh. 25 years ago, 30 years ago, that MLB wanted to put a team in northern New Jersey. Um, I, I Maybe it was right around the wild card era start where there was a lot of talk of the next batch of, uh, of um, expansion after we had like the Diamondbacks and the Rays and the Rockies and the Marlins. There was talk of more. And my dad asked me, would you still root for the Mets if there was a team that, you know, played 10 miles from you? And I think right. in that case, if the Mets were still local, I would have to still root for the Mets because I just have too much skin in the game. But if the Mets were to move to Portland and, you know, a new team would crop up in, in you know, the Meadowlands or whatever, I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know how I would react to that. I am maybe too stubborn to stop rooting for the Mets. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, in the case of the Whalers, um, yeah, for me, it was just, you know, uh, all right, I'm out. I'm not even going to watch the sport. Um, I did have a neighbor who thankfully was okay, but, uh, you know, dealt with cancer as a, as a child. Uh, and in his time in the hospital during that, uh, you know, that battle, um, the whalers were really, really good about going to the children's hospital, spending time there. So he felt like he didn't feel like he he knew the players. You know, he knew the players, he knew the coaches. So when they moved, he he started rooting for the Carolina Hurricanes because it was the same people and he had right. that connection. And that like I totally get that. But you know, when when you're just a fan uh, who who's dedicated and and especially just getting into the sport, um, you know, it, it would be. I think still very hard for me to to stay connected to a team that moved. I mean, so my dad grew up a New York Giants fan, and he was born in '43, so he was 14 when the Giants moved to San Francisco, and he never stopped being a Giants fan. Um, right. He used to listen to. I don't know if you know this. Or I I would never know this if he hadn't told me. They used to do broadcasts where the broadcasters in New York would fake sound effects. There'd be a bat in the in the room. And they would fake sounds, getting a like a wire, set, like a ticker tape, basically being sent with the plays. Oh yeah, and I, the I, game was announced. I feel um, like Gary, Keith, and Ron maybe have, had brought that up at some point when they've talked about some of the you know, New York, California baseball history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so my dad, but my dad's solution to it was that he became a baseball fan, not a Giants fan. Like he's still rooted for the Giants. But my dad would watch Yankees, Mets, whoever was on TV. He just he just became a fan of the sport instead of a fan of the team. And he would often tease me. He's like, "You're not a baseball fan. You're a Mets fan." And he would say that in like a derogatory way because if the Mets were being blown out ten nothing, I would rather rather watch the Mets game than switch over to the Yankee game. Whereas his point right. was always like, "You watch the best baseballs on TV," but that's because he couldn't watch his favorite team for the majority of his life. Right? <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, I, I get that position also. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. But uh, the Mets, huh? (laughs) Yeah, so this is an A's podcast now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Hope you enjoy the switch. Um, (laughs) 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We should talk about all the things that have happened uh, over the last week with the starting pitching staff. The first one being Carlos Carrasco after throwing his best game of the season in Oakland went on the injured list. Uh, in addition to that, we had Max Scherzer getting tossed from Wednesday's game for what he claims is just rosin and sweat, but what other people are saying might be a sticky stuff situation, although he seems... I mean, I'm sure that Max Scherzer is a good liar, but when you saw the passion both on the field and then in the post game when he talked about it, swearing on his kids' lives and all that, right. I tend to believe him that it wasn't uh, an intentional sticky stuff situation um you know the Mets sent down Jose Buto who I think both of us owe an apology to yeah who looked looked quite good in his uh in his lone start for the Mets so far this season um and just to finish off the starting pitching stuff before we sort of dive into the details it looks like Joey Lucchese is going to start tomorrow night's game in San Francisco for Carrasco so for those keeping score at home that means that the Mets rotation is made up right now of only two people who they planned on having in the rotation from the start of the year, which is Kodai Senga and Max Scherzer. The rest of the rotation is currently made up of their depth, which is why if anyone ever tells you your team has enough starting pitching depth, poke them in the eye and run away because they are liars. (laughs) Yeah, on the Carrasco injury, I guess the first thought there was we've had that concern when he missed the scheduled minor league Spring training game starts uh, about a week before, maybe been exactly a week before. If not, it was close. Uh, opening day, and it makes sense. Uh, I mean, it's always possible that a guy just hits a point that he's not a capable pitcher anymore. But not being totally healthy in his pitching arm, it checks out with what we've seen yep. from him. Uh, you know, it, just last year he was. You know, he had some bad starts, but he, he put together a pretty decent season. And he wasn't somebody who you would say be, like, intimidating to use in the playoffs. Um, but solid major league starter type stuff. So, um, 
I don't know that uh, the bone spur thing is going to work itself out in, in a way that he can do that again this year without surgery and rehab and recovery and who knows when that would have him actually back out on the fields. Um, but it, it, it's a bummer. It, you know, when the season started, you, you kind of hoped that at some point he, I don't know, not that he'd be replaced or anything, but he'd be your fifth best starter. Um, if he needed any time on the injured list, then you'd have Peterson, McGill, Lucchese, uh, and so on. And I guess Dylan Bundy will probably get into that mix soon. And, and Jose Buto yes. deserves to be mentioned since he's already been in it. But um, with Quintana out for a while, with Verlander not back yet, with Scherzer probably facing a, a suspension that he can't get out of, even if he fights it, and I assume he will, um, not having just that solid Carlos Carrasco there is definitely a little bit of a, a an issue. So, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. you said, it's ironic that it, that it, it the good start resulted in the injured list. <laughs> yes. Stint, but. It's what happens, right? It's baseball. Weird shit happens all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think everything you say is spot on. I think that Carrasco avoiding the IL, IL until this point in the season was a combination of wishful thinking and trying to play through some pain or discomfort or ineffectiveness, whatever, without without go, without taking that next step, right, without actually going on the IL. But it seems like this was destined since he missed that spring training start. And aside from the start in Oakland, where he still didn't look great, but looked better, He's just looked uncomfortable at every turn. We've talked about this before. He just looks like he has been he has been uncomfortable and overworked despite not pitching that much. Just looks labored with everything he's doing. And so I think this is absolutely necessary to try to get him through this season with minimal issue. Uh, whether that's possible or not, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. But, you know, hopefully he gets well soon and can be a contributor to the uh, to the rotation. Uh, talking about Scherzer for not sure, I'm sure let's start in a second. Talking about Verlander for a second. The Mets have, have said that they expect him back on the team once they return from the West Coast. But have we heard any formal updates about that, or is that just chatter that has been leaked out there? Do you know sort of the official status of that? I think the latest timeline on uh, on Verlander was. Basically, he was going to take his full rest in between each of the things he was doing. So I think a, a week ago or even a few days ago, I thought there was maybe a, some hope that he would be able to pitch in the Brave series uh, at City Field next weekend. But now it seems like that's pretty much off the table and it would be early May that he's back. So uh, if the proceedings on Scherzer take a little bit and – and uh and he ultimately ends up serving a 10-game suspension, uh, obviously it would be nice to do that with Verlander in the rotation so you, you at least yes. have that uh, that one type of arm in there uh, to go along with Kodai Senga, who's been uh, easily the best pitcher they've had so far this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the Scherzer suspension thing is is interesting because – 
I I have not done a deep dive into the rules here, but it seems like no one really knows what the what the procedure is for this because if I think it's one thing if he was caught applying something and there was video of it or there was something or other, but it seems like there's none of that and just from a labor relations standpoint it seems like a nightmare to have to fight the union on this that for major league baseball to have to fight the union on this and suspend him for something that is essentially hearsay um and so i i don't know i think the suspension is the most likely outcome but i could also see them trying to avoid that just because of the labor relations mess that will happen because of it right um, I guess we'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, in terms of Jose Buto, I mean, look, I, I said it on the daily podcast already. He's, he still walked too many batters in that start. That was better than expected. It's, it was nice to see the game be more competitive than I thought it might be. It helped. They were playing the, uh, the A's instead of a, a top flight team in terms of, you know, a good matchup for Buto. But overall, you know, he looked like a, a perfectly cromulent eighth or ninth starter wh- wherever he falls on the depth chart, right? He looked like that's a fine place for him in the organization. Um, hopefully we don't get to see too much of him because that just means that the Mets pitching continues to be uh, unhealthy as the se- or unhealthy or ineffective as the season goes on. But, uh, you know, hat tip to Jose Buto. And looking forward to seeing Joey Lucchese tomorrow night. You know, Lucchese has been a favorite at Amazing Avenue since he came over. The Churv is a fun pitch, and he seems like a pretty good dude. It's always nice to see someone come back from Tommy John surgery. His last couple of Syracuse starts have looked very good. So, yeah, I am I am happy that Lucchese is getting a start. Um, we should also mention, I know you, you mentioned his name in passing, but Dylan Bundy has been um, called up to Syracuse now. So he is likely going to be, if not the next person called up to make a start, he will certainly be in the conversation for the next person called up to, to make a start. Uh, any news or notes on those three guys you want to get into? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, with Bundy, he got totally shelled in that in his lone start for Syracuse so far, but that doesn't really concern me too much. Uh, he didn't really have spring training. Right. I think just the fact that he, he went out and threw – a start for them and that we can expect that he will continue to do that. Uh, I, he, he's uh, a guy who I think can step in and uh, if he could just do what he did with the twins last year for the Mets, even if we don't necessarily want him to rack up that many innings, it, it might be necessary. Right. Um, you know, he'd be a nice guy to have fill in, you know, if Carrasco's injury doesn't turn out to be a quick, uh, turnaround and 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 does necessitate surgery or just a longer stint on the injured list. Um, Bundy, I think, can give you not quite what Carrasco at his best could, but a decent approximation of that. Yes. Um, yeah, with Buto, it, it's um, uh, look, he he really didn't look like he was fit for the part last year, but. These guys work year round, and uh, you know we constantly judge only what we can see, and, and like that's only fair. 
but I don't know. Did he take a step forward in the offseason? Uh, we know he pitched well in Syracuse before he got that major league start. Um, and the major league start went pretty well. So maybe there's something there. Maybe maybe he's taken that step forward uh, where he's not necessarily going to be, uh, you know, McGill at his best or anything like that, but a, a little more realistic major league arm. And then uh, last but not least, Lucchese, uh he's like a better case of Bundy, right? Like that low four ERA uh, type guy that, that he's been low to mid four ERA that he's been in his uh, major league career. If you can get that, this, this Mets team can hit, even if people had doubts about it in the first week or two of the season, it's enough to keep you competitive and, and, you know, starting pitcher health for the really good ones is going to be the main focus of the final month of the season, the playoffs. But until we get to that point, you know, it's not the end of the world. No, no. And what's nice about both Lucchese and um, Bundy is that you get the impression that, I mean, look, ball players can always improve, can always adapt, but it seems like they are more, we have a better sense of who that pitcher is going to be for their career than we do for someone like Peterson or McGill, who hopefully is still young enough in their career that they are still learning and adapting and changing. And so I would feel better if McGill or Peterson struggles. I would rather them struggle in AAA and work it out than suffer the consequences of being a disappointment at the major league level while still developing. If that, does that make sense? Like I'd rather, yeah. if you're both going to have four ERAs, I'd rather Dylan Bundy have the four or five ERA and let Peterson work shit out in AAA. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. Um, yeah, because Bundy is who he is at this point. Yeah, Peterson, I think, does still – I don't know that he's ever going to break out and be amazing, but he's got enough there that's interesting that I think, um, you know, a break from getting tattooed to the tune of a six-plus ERA in the big leagues might be useful. Yes. Um, we've seen him go back and forth and come back and, and be a better pitcher for it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's bad logic at all. Yeah, so that that's sort of how I look at those guys, right? I'd rather have if you have again, again, if Peterson and McGill are doing what they're doing right now, which is pitching, you know, I think better than we had maybe feared that they would pitch. I think that you know you you keep them up, but the minute they start to struggle, if you can if you can slide a guy in there whose development is not at stake based on their performance, that that would be my my hope going forward. Um, but yeah, I, that that sort of wraps up our discussion of the starting pitching we do have to talk about the bullpen a little bit here because there has been just so much churn in the bullpen so far uh we just saw yesterday denny reyes who you wrote a really good piece about getting optioned to AAA, and uh, tommy hunter being called back up we've seen you know just uh jeff brigham is now up dennis santana was up and he's now down like there's a lot or he was DFA'd, so he may not be still in the organization by the time this comes out. Um, but, you know, there's been a lot of churn in the bullpen, and that is not uncommon. But what's been uncommon is that the Mets have, if not the lowest, it was the lowest as of the weekend. I don't know if that's changed. The The shortest span of the shortest average of starts per starter, like they were their starters were not are not getting long into games at all. And shares are being tossed out after the third inning yesterday 
did not help that. And so the combination of a lot of usage and a lot of churn means that the bullpen has been, I mean, I, I think considering those things, you have to think the bullpen has been very good this season, considering all the challenges it's gone through, but it seems a little bit unsustainable at this level. Yeah, no, it is a lot in that sense, but they, they're 13th, the uh, 13th best ERA in, in terms of uh, major league bullpens right now. That That's pretty damn good considering Edwin Diaz isn't there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you know, they've had so many guys pitch already and figured only have more. So um, obviously Ottavino Robertson have been, the most impressive Brooks Raley has been really good. He had one really bad outing. So his ERA is high because that happens as a reliever and it might be high for another two months before, you know, it looks really good again. But, uh, but yeah, it really good work and and nice to have two dependable um, guys doing the eighth and ninth inning. Uh, and a, for a franchise that for so many years would not have had somebody on that level available. Right. Yeah, I mean the fact that the bullpen is this good with not with Diaz not throwing a, a pitch for them this season is borderline miraculous. Let alone, uh, you know, you know, let alone how, how impressively some of these guys have been pitching. Um, but yeah, it's it, it's been really nice to see. It's been good. We should also mention since we last spoke that Brett Beatty has been called up and has. You know, not lit the world on fire, nor has he uh, crashed and burned. So both sides of the argument are probably uh, feeling a little bit justified slash a little bit angry at this moment. But, you know, he, he's looked like what you expected Brett Beatty to look like right now. He's he's looking fine in the field. He's had a couple of hits. You know, he's going to be adjusting to Major League Pitching. But I think we both agree it was absolutely time to get him up here. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it was the obvious move. It was really endearing to see on the flight to San Francisco, there was a photo of Escobar and Beatty sitting with each other. Escobar has been nothing but class when it comes to uh, just acknowledging the reality of the situation. Um, I know some Mets fans are going to be frustrated when Escobar plays, but I, you know, we talked about this last week. I do still think he is a valuable major league piece. And if they were to do something like DFA him, I think another team would claim him. He's not making that much money. Right. Um, you know, he, he can play multiple positions, even if it's not really more than third base on a, on a regular basis. But, uh, you know, we've seen other teams out there. Uh, I'm not saying the A's. Escobar makes too much money for them to do it. But, <laughs> um, you know, somebody would claim him and put him there in, 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 a, in their infield. So, uh, yeah, just nice to see a harmonious relationship between those two and uh and i think having them both on the roster for the rest of the season would be a good idea yeah you know um there really isn't a great plan still in place for the mets in terms of the right-handed bat of uh, the right-handed dh bat against left-handed starters and so i think escobar is going to take some of that tommy fam is going to take some of that but look this is an older team and if you can rotate guys in and out that is that's going to be good overall for the season and i know that pinch hitting is not the skill that is as used in baseball today as it was when there were still pitchers batting a couple of seasons ago. But your team's going to need some pinch hitters down the road, and I would feel better about an Escobar coming in as a pinch hitter than, for instance, a Tim LaCastro. Well, Chris, what is your music pick for this week? So it's funny. I thought I had already picked this um, because I had the pleasure of seeing them. 
back in March, but there's this band from Norway called Orion's Belt. Uh, There's no apostrophe in Orion's and Belt has an E at the end. And there are three musicians, uh, bass, drums, guitar, pretty standard. There's a little bit of vocals in there, but it's a very instrumental band, uh, you know, most of the time. And they've got all sorts of influences. I mean, they, they make some music that fits in like really well with sort of, uh, I don't know, just that old like Southwestern United States guitar type feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not just that. There, there's a little influence of several types of rock, jazz, uh, and, and seeing them play live uh, really emphasize just how much these guys can, they can just play, you know? Um, I, I thought they would fit in rather well at some of New York City's jazz menus, even though they're they're definitely um, doing stuff in places that are a little more traditionally rock venues. But uh, that being said, the, the record that they played heavily off of at that show and the one that had caught my attention with them, uh, it's called Villa Amarini. Um, the first track on it is called Bean. That's definitely one of their uh, catchiest songs. Um, you know, just looking at uh, Spotify stats is definitely one of their most listened songs as, as well. Um, but just a, a really good band. And I think uh, live, they were they were super engaging and a lot of fun to watch uh, and, and had the crowd moving and everything. Um, but I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a band that, like, you can throw on and it's... Uh, you know, it's pretty chill, but it's not slow. It's not boring by any means, but you, you can have, uh, you know, you can have a good conversation while you're listening to it. Sure. Um, kind of a thing. And, you know, I, I, I mean that as a compliment. So, um, yeah, it's a record they put out. They, they've released several different records over the last few years, but um, this is the one that caught my attention and... Uh, my, my love of it has only grown over the last few weeks and it's very cool, uh, to, to have a band come from Norway, uh, and, and do that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that not that there's anything wrong with metal, but you think Norway, you think metal first and and foremost. Um, so yeah, Orion's belt, Villa Amorini, uh, and I'd, I'd say, check it out. I'd say it's a perfect record for the kind of weather that we, uh, have had a little taste of in April and, and are going to, it looks like have some more of in the near future. Yes. Yes. This is a great time for uh, springtime music. Um, so my pick for this week is by a, a singer songwriter who everybody who is listening to this podcast has likely heard their voice, but maybe don't know their name. The reason for that, uh, his name is Mike Viola and he is a, he's been uh making music since the mid 90s first with his band the candy butchers and then as a solo artist as well as producing lots of artists along the way but um he is the singing voice for the song that thing you do from the film that thing you do uh the song written by adam schlesinger of fountains of wayne and ivy uh sung by mike viola and um he put out a new record called paul mccarthy uh purposely supposed to sound like paul mccartney uh on friday and uh that song on the album is about it's a, a fictional guy who replaces Paul McCartney in the Beatles. It's a it's a weird, funny song, but uh, I I I have recently been 
myself writing a lot more music, just trying to sort of hone that skill that I pick up and drop. All the, I never really stop writing, but I've tried to really focus my writing lately. And Viola is one of my favorite songwriters for that. He's just the master of a really well-crafted song, songs that have interesting lyrics and have uh, creative um, arrangements. And you know, he's, he's a guy who very clearly has a sound in mind when he starts the song and executes about as well as anybody in sort of the, the pop rock world. Um, I want to uh, specifically point out the song it's called Bill Viola. Uh, again, it's another song kind of about um, mistaken identity and just sort of uh, self-image and all that. And uh, it's the first song on the album, and it's excellent. My favorite song on the record, I think. But he also does a lot of other sounds across the record that aren't your sort of standard, like, pop, like power pop type stuff. Um, there's a song called Water Makes Me Sick that sounds a lot like early uh, Joe Walsh or like Aerosmith sort of bluesy. 70s rock there's a song called um i think it's, oh, is it called letters from a, yeah letters from a childhood sweetheart that is very it's terribly sad it's about his 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 first wife died a number of years ago it's about his first wife's mother and losing a child and it's this very sad sort of um beautiful ballad there's a song called i think i thought forever proof which i don't know what that means but um it it has a really like sort of like 80s uh, Roland jazz chorus sound on the guitar that's very good. Uh, he's just a really exceptional songwriter, and uh, you know, I, I the older I get, the more I can appreciate sometimes the song without any of the adornments around it. Um, you know, I love production, I love weird studio trickery and all that, but sometimes you just want to hear a guy who can just write a song and play it if you on a piano or a guitar and it sounds good. And so that is certainly who Mike Viola is. And uh, I haven't been to a show in some time. I'm going to see him next Friday in Manhattan. So I'm very much looking forward to that as well. Um, and this is not my genre of music, but I find it fascinating that the lead singer of Panic at the Disco, Brendan Urie, plays drums on this album and plays drums well. Didn't know he was a drummer, but uh, he is the drummer on this album. So uh, Viola was a sideman for Panic at the Disco on the last tour. So I guess that makes sense. But uh, yeah, if you like sort of... Um, Beatles-esque power pop type stuff, I, I would highly recommend Mike Viola. So yeah, Paul McCarthy is the most recent record, and that's the one you should check out. Uh, was that Chris? I'm sorry. Oh, no, I just said nice. Oh. The, that is not somebody whose name I knew at all before, so it's always nice to uh, to learn. <laughs> yeah, and I should also mention, I, I should have led with this, being the podcast this is, the song Bill Viola references former Met Frank Viola in it as well. So ah. here we go. We got a connection uh, for the Mets for this album. So, yeah. And uh, I, I think this should go without saying, but if you haven't seen the movie, That Thing You Do, go watch that movie. It's a really good music movie. Uh, Tom Hanks did a good job directing that movie. Anyway, thank you for listening. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, we hope you guys are enjoying the morning uh, Apple Turnover podcast I've been doing. I'm going to start farming that out to some other people soon, so it's not me every single morning, because let me tell you, there are some nights I don't want to record that podcast, but people are listening. So hopefully you're enjoying it and uh, we like having it out there for you. So thanks for listening to that. Please check out all of our excellent Home Run Applesauce podcasts. Go to patreon.com slash Home Run Applesauce to support these podcasts directly. Bonus episodes, two of them coming next week. Uh, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Chris McShane. I am on Twitter at Brian. It's an app. And until next time, let's go Mets. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.